Hello and welcome to the Particular Baptist Podcast. My name is Daniel Vincent, here with my co-host Sean Cheatham. You can find us and other podcasts at reformpodcast.com. Check out our blog at theparticularbaptist.net. And if you would like to support our ministry financially, we greatly appreciate it. You can do so at patreon.com forward slash theparticularbaptist. And today we're going to be going back into our series on Dennis Prager and the Ten Commandments. We left off at the Fifth Commandment, which is honor your father and mother. And Sean, I completely forgot to pull up the video. Hmm. Um, so let me... Uh, so you're asking you... me to fill the dead air while you try to do that? Uh, or you could you pull it up for me? Um, I don't have my keyboard right in front of me. Okay. Uh, Dennis... Sorry about that. Sorry, everybody. No that was a mind fart on my part. <clears throat> Completely forgot to pull it up. Well, we're all we're all sorts of all over the place today because we were supposed to start at 830 and I completely forgot. So uh, this is authentic and, Dan and Sean right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're starting at eight today because I don't even remember what time my <laughs> podcast uh, starts at. All right. So how do I share? Is it the present button? Is that what yep. it is? You go to present and then share whatever screen you want to share. All right. So yeah, while Sean is pulling that up, we'll be going through um, his short video on honoring your father and mother. And he kind of, <clears throat> I guess for all intents and purposes, it overall, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's nothing super egregious, but there are some things nuances that we want to talk about in here that we think are worth pointing out. You know, he shifted, um, and Sean pointed this out to me earlier, which I think is relevant. He's shifting from worship, or at least the commandments we would consider are about worship of God, and now shifting to the commandments about uh, loving your neighbor. And so there's, you know, kind of a, a more culturally appropriate discussion going on here. And it's probably not going to, it's not necessarily as egregious as the ones on worship, but there are still issues that um, I think need to be discussed. But I think probably by and large, we'd agree with uh, most of what he's saying uh, just on its face. Well, so the way I was thinking about it, um, we've seen a lot of pragmatism from his previous videos. Yeah. And this was the first time I watched a video that I didn't feel or it was it the the pragmatism wasn't as egregious to me right and and i think that um it's because we've transitioned away from the the ten uh the commandments that are dealing directly with god uh who god is uh how to worship him etc uh to the relationship uh, between men um so i i wasn't it it didn't strike me as being so bad um the pragmatism and i think that's probably the reason why because it's not a it's not a um, you're not changing the commandments of God into commandments about men. You're already right. dealing with commandments about men. These are actually commandments about men this time. So, yeah, yeah it's a little bit uh, it, it's definitely more on track where it's supposed to be. Um, but, yeah, still some problems. So I, I guess before we dive into the video, um, just give a, a very brief positive presentation of the fifth commandment. Um, and then that can be used to contrast what we'll find uh, if there are any issues in Prager's uh, understanding of the Fifth Commandment. Um, so the Heidelberg Catechism, question uh, in answer 104, uh, says this. 
Uh, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? Answer, that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, that I submit myself to proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient in their failings, for through them God chooses to rule uh, over us. So that's kind of an overview, at least how the Heidelberg gives. I didn't check the Baptist Catechism, but I can't imagine it's that much different. Or um, uh, the or an Orthodox Catechism by Collins. It's probably the very much the same. Um, one thing I will note, I know that historically the Fifth Commandment um, tends to be extended to all authority, um, not just honoring your father and mother. Personally, I'm not uh, necessarily convinced that it extends to that i'm willing to be convinced otherwise but um i think you know for our purposes today and generally speaking it it's talking about um you know honoring your father and mother and again I, i'd be willing to be convinced otherwise but i i've never really understood where that um that extension comes from but well we might have to have a discussion yeah we might have that. to we might have a discussion uh, maybe this will spin off into that a little bit. But again, I'm willing to be convinced. I just don't see that right now. Um, but at the very least, we're to you know honor and obey our parents. We're to love our parents. We're not to treat them disrespectfully. Um, we're to obey our parents, um, you know, it, as submissive children. Um, and we see this commandment reiterated in other places in the Old Testament um, and even in the New Testament, like in uh Ephesians, um, I believe it's Ephesians chapter five. Uh, that's one place that we see Paul commanding children in the church to obey and submit to their parents and parents are to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's kind of interesting. Paul doesn't overemphasize one relationship over the other, like in marriage, you know, husbands are to love their wives and wives are to submit to their husbands. There's a, there's uh, you know, a give and take here it's not just the husband is lording over the wife. And the, what the wife is to submit, but the, the husband is to rule with love. There's a there's a balance that's given here. So children are to submit to their parents, but parents are also to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's not just a tyrannical rule where they um, treat their children uh, unjustly. Um, it, early on in the scriptures, we do see that there is a sense where uh, where children do come out from under uh, the headship of their parents, um, at the very least when they leave the home. But I, I would say sp more specifically when uh, marriage is brought into the picture, we see Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.5, Mark 10.7, where you see this leaving of parents and clinging to your spouse. Um, so there is this moving away from parental headship to, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a female, you're moving under the headship of your husband, and he's uh, now uh, ruling over you to some extent. So this, uh, the authority structure uh, begins to change. Uh, we see disobedient children uh, were severely punished. Uh, you can see in, in Leviticus 20, verse 9, Deuteronomy 21, 18, 27, 16, um, and sometimes even to the point of death for very disobedient children who were refusing to repent. Um, if you look at Leviticus 20, verse 9, for anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His blood is upon him. Um, so, and, and this isn't just any cursing. This isn't just uh, any kind of disobedience. This is somebody who's just, they've been disciplined. 
they've been reprimanded, but no matter what is done, this child just does not listen to their parents. And you can see this fleshed out more in Deuteronomy 21, uh, verses 18 through 21. <clears throat> it says, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and fear. So this is a son who's, who's just living wild. He's, he has no regard for authority. He has no regard for his parents. Um, he's just living in constant disobedience. This is a very, very rebellious son. So uh, someone who continuously does this is to be um, put to death. Um, you know, we don't believe that this judicial law applies to us today, but I think the, the principle we can take from it is that it's serious to obey our parents and to honor them. Um, it's not something to be taken lightly, uh, given these circumstances surrounding this commandment here. Um, and we even yeah. see Jesus upholding this commandment, like in Matthew 15, uh, as well. So it's not just an Old Testament ordinance. Go ahead, Chuck. I was going to say, um, at the very least, it would be grounds for uh, excommunication from the church, right? Um, it's interesting uh, that it says that um, the, the the son was a drunkard, you know? So clearly this is right. someone that was old enough to, to be acting like that, and yet still under the auspices of their, uh, their parents. So apparently, uh, just like in the modern era, it's uh, a son that was grown and potentially should have been out of the house, but I uh, was still uh, still living there. Not that there's necessarily a problem with that. I've, I lived in my parents' house after graduating college, but uh, interesting there. But anyway, um, if that person was a member of the church, that would be ground. If it's, if it's uh, worthy of the death penalty in the uh, old covenant system, it's certainly worthy of excommunication then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the principle you can gather here, too, is, is being put outside the covenant community. In this case, it would be through death. But either way, there's, you know, it, a excommunication outside of the covenant community, you are cursed, right? Um, so in the New Testament context, that would be through church discipline. Somebody who's living in unrepentant sin, <clears throat> you know, you go through the Matthew 18 model, they're confronted in the proper way and they refuse to repent. That would be where uh, they would be put out of the covenant community. So that could include someone who claims the name of Christ and, and they're not being obedient to their parents in the proper way. And they are you know, unrepentant in it, uh, then they should be put out of the church after going through the proper process uh, laid out in scripture on how those issues are to be handled. Um, so there is some similarity um, definitely there with regards to how um, those things are handled. Um, but the commandment to honor your parents, uh, Jesus brings us up in Matthew 15, at least there's probably other places, but um, he's using this in reference to how the Pharisees were exchanging the commandments of God for uh, their own traditions. <clears throat> and he brings up the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. They had apparently come up with some kind of tradition that usurped that commandment. I think it, uh, I don't have the passage in front of me, but if I remember correctly, it had to do with, uh, they gave an exception to where you didn't have to honor your father and mother. And it wasn't a legitimate exception. 
It wasn't like they were telling you to do something sinful. It was a, I think it was a loophole to get around taking care of your parents in some way. Yeah. It was called the, the Corbon rule. And the Corbon rule, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, um, you could, uh, promise your, your wealth to the temple, essentially say when I, when I die, my, uh, my, uh, my wealth, my, uh, any money that I have will go to the go to the temple. It'll be donated to the temple, but you could, um, you could take it back at any time. There wasn't any, um, obligation to follow through with it. So what people were doing apparently was, um, rather than supporting their, their parents, they'd say, oh, I dedicate my money to the temple. So they didn't have to, to spend the money on, uh, taking care of their elderly parents. And then, um, once the parents were dead, they're like, oh, oh, well, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to, to give the money to the temple. So it was a way of getting around actually having to provide for their parents. A very clever loophole. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, but certainly the Pharisees, <laughs> Yeah. The, the Pharisees seem to have been very adept at oh, um, yeah. uh, getting around the substance of the law, because obviously the substance of the law is you shall honor your mother and father and not wanting to take care of them wanting to keep the money for yourself is most certainly not honoring them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. But yeah, we see this, this commandment reiterated in the, in the new Testament and, and Jesus, you know, continuously upholds the principles of the law in the new Testament. I mean, the Beatitudes, I think are a perfect example of that. He's not creating any new rules. He's just saying what the old rules really meant. And here's how mm -hmm. they apply to kingdom life. And the, and the religious leaders have twisted what they really mean. You have heard that it was said, blah, blah, blah. And then he's laying out what the law really means, like with adultery. Oh, it, the Pharisees thought that, oh, yeah, as long as I don't commit the act of adultery, I'm OK. You know, yeah, I can lust. I can have wicked thoughts in my mind, but I'm, you know, I'm technically not committing adultery. And Jesus is extending, uh, not really extending, but saying that the commandment applies to the heart issue as well which is, um, you know, a wanton heart instead of being faithful to your spouse. So the substance of the law is being applied while the, uh, the Pharisees were trying to get around the technicality of it. All right. Well, I guess we can go ahead and um, dive into the video. So I will pop up here. There we go. All right. Um, let me know when you want to stop. Okay of the Ten Commandments reads, honor your father and your mother. This commandment is so important that it is one of the only commandments in the entire Bible that gives a reason for observing it, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Many people read that part of the Fifth Commandment as a reward. But while it may be regarded as a reward, the fact remains that it is a reason if you build a society in which children honor their parents, your society will long survive. Can you pause it? And the corollary sure. is a society. So I, I think that's I think that's very accurate. You know, the, the family structure is certainly a bedrock of a healthy society. I mean, you see what's happening today with <clears throat> uh, the breaking down of the nuclear family. Um, we don't have uh, the creation Order, the, the created order being implemented in some places, it's being rejected. You have people who are confused about their genders and you have uh, man and man and woman and woman marrying each other or cohabitating together. 
you see this breakdown of the family structure. Um, and I mean, obviously that's going to have implications for procreation, you know, the carrying on of society and just the, the biblical mandate of having a, a balanced society. I mean, male and female balance each other out in, uh, in marriage. They have their different, uh, weaknesses and strengths and, and they help to complement each other. That's how God designed it. And when you start to break that down on a massive scale, now you're going to uh, start to break down some of those foundations of society. Um, so just from a very practical standpoint, um, I think he's he's very accurate here. And I think you can draw this principle uh, biblically. Yeah, no, I, I 100 percent agree. It was at this this around this time in the video that I was really thinking like, well, that is a that's a pragmatic way to look at it. But like it's also very correct. Um, which is when I came to the determination, like, oh, well, I guess I'm not nearly as bothered about his pragmatism this time, because it, it, it is correct. Um, uh, God's commandments, obviously, there's there's a, a moral character to them, and I, I do think he neglects more character in the rest of the video, but um, they're based on the nature of things, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, the, it's the nature of things that uh, we should honor our father and mother because... Um, because it will go well for us. Um, that's yeah. just the, the nature of things, the way that God has designed things. Um, so yes, I absolutely agree that um, when you uh, don't honor your father and mother, the, the society will go with it. What you're essentially saying is, um, or, or in a lot of cases, what you're saying is, I, the child, know better, right? I'm not going to <clears throat> defer to the wisdom of my parents. I, the child, know better than them, which is is foolishness um uh, children don't have as much experience as, as right. their parents and to say well of course i know better is it's uh it's foolishness and um that's that's the kind of mentality that's going to destroy a civilization um that uh is focused on you know well of course the children know better no wisdom is a wisdom is a, a good thing um that we should we should look up to um and uh though we might not understand it uh we should uh respect the opinions of uh, uh those that are uh, over us of our father and mother unless it is overtly contradicted by uh, what god says yeah i mean you, i think a perfect example of what you're saying sean is um you look in entertainment today like in sitcoms especially yeah. the the dad it, more the dad than the mom is made out to be a bumbling fool um I mean, I'll give an example. You look at a show like The Simpsons, right? And Homer Simpson is this lazy, um, this 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 lazy, uh, apathetic dad. Um, while the mom is wearing the pants in the family, Marge, she's she's carrying on the family, uh, making sure the family's staying together, making sure Homer actually does what he's supposed to do, and, and then the kids tend to be smarter than. Uh, sometimes both the parents, you know, so you see even in like entertainment, this family structure is turned on its head. The kids are smarter mm -hmm. than the parents. They usually win the day. The parents just get along because the kids happen to do whatever it is they were supposed to do. Um, and and that's very I mean, that's very problematic. And, and I think you see that, too, with a lot of the neglect of, of history today. Right. We don't want to learn from the past and those who came before us. We know better. And we're going to figure everything out. Um, that doesn't mean that necessarily everything taught in the past is good and that we should just automatically absorb everything that happened in the past. 
uh, we should look at the past with a critical eye. And we should, uh, to some extent, look at our elders with a critical eye because they're people and they're sinners and they can say things that are wrong. Um, but we shouldn't just be quick to, uh, as younger people, to just neglect the wisdom of uh, those who are older simply because we think we know better. Um, I mean, that if you're not going to learn from the past or learn from those who have actually maybe done the thing that you're trying to do, um, then we're going to be in trouble. But I think our society tends to paint the family as the dad isn't the leader. The wife is really the one who leads the family and the kids are smarter than both of them combined. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the biblical model that we see. No, no, it's not. It's absolutely inverted, just like you said. All right. All right. And in which children do not honor their parents is doomed to self-destruction. In our time, this connection between honoring parents and maintaining civilization is not widely recognized. On the contrary, many of the best educated parents do not believe that their children need to show them honor since honoring implies an authority figure. And that is a status many modern parents reject. In addition, many parents seek to be loved, not honored by their children. Um, So it's interesting that he brings that up. Um, I think that you do see today there is kind of this desire, you know, they call it gentle parenting, right? Where the parents tried to be more like a friend to the kid in terms of how they raise them or discipline them. Um, And I think that type of mindset comes out in that type of parenting instead of having a firm hand on, on your children and showing them that you are the authority here. You're not going to be the one who's going to tell me what to do because the, the authority structure is is supposed to be this way. Um, so I, I do think you see a weakness in parents who do try to uh, kind of, they, they let their kids kind of rule how they, uh, how they live, how they, how they discipline them. Um, and I think that's hugely problematic. Um, and, it, and you're going to end up with, with bratty disobedient kids at that point, if you don't, uh, if you don't show that authority structure and, and be firm with them and discipline them, uh, and you have the authority to do that. That's your God-given authority as a parent. You have the authority to tell them what to do and to tell them um, how they're supposed to behave. And, and especially as Christian parents, we're charged with raising our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That requires you, that implies an authority structure. Um, so trying to treat your kids like they're, some, like they're your best friend and and that everybody's on the same level is uh, against how God has laid out this family structure and his word and how we're to raise our kids. But you're seeing that more and more. Um, and kids in their sinful natural state are going to obviously take advantage of that to get what they want because um, they know you're not going to do anything about it or you're not going to come on them as hard. So they're going to try and get away with more. Um, so. That's very interesting that he brings that up, but I I think he's uh, right along those same lines. Yeah, it's it's coming at it from the other direction, right? Normally, we're the we're focused when we read the commandment on the child to the uh, to the parents, right? Mm-hmm. But thinking about it from the parents' perspective, right? Uh, my children should honor me. Um, yeah. If they if they don't like you are then left with okay well i'm not exercising authority over them which Mm -hmm. is what they what they ultimately need right if i'm treating them as a friend or like oh well i don't want them to be mad at me 
You're right. So I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything. Well, on it, whether whether they're mad at you or not, you still need to do it. You do need right. to exercise authority. They need um, structure. They need discipline. Right. Um, so yeah, the the sort of the the converse or the the flip is true that it uh, degrades. Um, the uh the parents authority it's not merely like oh well i've dishonored my parents you know so the sin is on me um when uh the parents aren't um acting as if they should be honored differently than other people um it's uh it's it's corroding their ability to to raise their children correctly yeah and, and those kids are going to take that in and manipulate you to as much as they can because kids are sinners and they want what they want and they're going to try and get what they want uh in spite of you typically unless you come down and and make sure that they understand who is in charge mm -hmm. yet neither the ten commandments nor the bible elsewhere commands us to love our parents this is particularly striking given that the bible commands us to love our neighbor to love god and to love the stranger. The Bible understands that there will always be individuals who, for whatever reason, do not love a parent. You can Therefore, pause it here. Yeah. So he kind of, um, I feel like he makes this weird distinction between loving your parents and loving your neighbor. Um, and he says that there's no other commandment that tells us to love our families. Um, this is where we as reformed people believe in good and necessary consequence. You know, if, if a passage says something, it, it may have necessary uh, implications that we can draw from it. Um, but I think this distinction between loving your neighbor and loving your parent aren't different. They're really the same. Honoring your parents is really just an implication of loving your neighbor. Um, and we know that loving your neighbor uh, is a universal commandment. We can see this just from the Old Testament let alone, I mean, you can see this clearly from the new, but uh, we're kind of coming down to his level because of his Jewish background. So we're using the Old Testament. Um, but if you look at uh, Leviticus 19, 17 through 18, you shall not hate your neighbor in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this is the general principle of loving your neighbor as yourself. But Leviticus 19 kind of breaks down what that looks like in practical ways. Um, and we know that, um, you know, like from verses 8 to 18, in these 10 verses, there are precepts with have to do with how we treat our neighbor. So we're not cheating our neighbor. We're not stealing from our neighbor. We're not um, being unjust to him. Um, but this doesn't just apply to the people of the covenant community. It's also to uh, the stranger, the sojourner. The sojourner had rights, too. Uh, he was not to be left without food, right? So in the harvest, if there were scraps left over, it went to the, I think it was the 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 poor, um, but also the sojourner would be able, had the right to pick up uh, any scraps that were there. So if you didn't do that, you were technically robbing your neighbor, right? Thou shalt not steal. They're robbing your neighbor of the right to be able to pick up that food or really robbing him of of the food that he was rightfully entitled to. Um, so you would be stealing from your neighbor at that point. So this doesn't just apply to the covenant community. And then explicitly in Leviticus 19, 33 to 34, in the same chapter, it says, when a stranger sojourns in your with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. 
You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So any of the commandments about loving your neighbor that are talking about the covenant community, they also apply to the stranger. So this is not just those uh, to whom you're close with. This is anybody who is who you're interacting with, essentially. Uh, you're to treat with dignity and, and respect and love. And those are obviously fleshed out primarily in uh, those last six commandments that we find in the law. And they're to do so because they were strangers too. They're to remember how they were treated. They were strangers in the land of Egypt and they were able to be taken care of. Uh, so they're to kind of sympathize with the one who's traveling in a different land. The The Israelites were in a strange land in Egypt uh, and they were to remember those circumstances and they're to have uh, sympathy, pity upon the sojourner uh, who's traveling among them and they're to treat them justly. Um, and then we, you know, we see this principle being carried over Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Um, this is another instance where the Jews had twisted the command to only apply to those to whom they loved or who they were close with. Uh, Jesus saying, no, it, it loving your neighbor means loving your enemy too. Those who you hate, you're to love. You're not to, uh, you're not to treat them poorly. And Jesus doesn't, and notice Jesus says that you're to love your enemy. Their, their status as an enemy doesn't necessarily change, but you're still to care for them. doesn't mean you have to necessarily like them, but you're to show kindness to them in spite of the status of being an enemy. So this is a universal commandment that applies to any and all people that we interact with. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. So when Prager makes this seeming apparent distinction between loving your neighbor and honoring your parents, um, I think it's easy to see that we can see the fifth commandment as being an implication of loving your neighbor and loving your family in general is just another principle of loving your neighbor. All of these things fall into this boundary of loving your neighbor um, as you know, exemplified with the principles and commands in the, in the Decalogue. So I, I think that's a very weird place to, uh, a very weird distinction to make. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'll add is um, this is the underpinning, right? This idea that um, loving your neighbor is universal is the underpinning of uh, Jesus's parable of the good Samaritan, right? Yeah. Um, you have the Samaritan who Samaritans live in a, a, a different country than the Jews. They're, they're sort of related. Um, but uh, they, uh, the Samaritans had an influx of uh, non-Jewish people that are married into them. So they're not, not quite related. Right. And um the Samaritans traveling and uh, notices the Israelite lying dead on the road or not, uh, half dead on the road and uh, helps him and makes sure that he's nursed back to help. And Jesus says, uh, basically asks, who was the neighbor to this person? And it's, well, it's the Samaritan was right. The Samaritan was acting as a neighbor to this person, even though he was, he just saw him on the side of the road. It's not like they physically lived next to each other or anything. Um, so, yes, loving your neighbor as yourself really does apply to the people you encounter in your life. It's not limited to, OK, well, it's the person that lives in the house next door to me and no other. Um, it's a it's it is a more of a universal principle and um, definitely, I would say, applies to um, to your parents. Um, they they live close to you. Um, so I, I would think it would even count for that reason. But 
Yeah, they're some of the closest people that you'll know. <laughs> I mean, they they birthed you, so it's you can't really get uh, get too much closer than that. Yep. All right. I'll pull up the video. And what may be psychologically or emotionally impossible, but it does demand that we show honor to our parents. And it makes this. That's actually a very uh, important point, which I think he undermines later. Um, that he's not necessarily saying that you need to generate feelings um, that aren't appropriate, but that you need to honor your parents, right? Um, just like loving your enemies, right? Well, I'm not going to mm -hmm. convince myself that this person is pleasing to me right. if they're not, right? Um, but I will love them in the sense of I will do good to them, right? So even if I have uh, abusive parents, um, I will show them the honor that is still due to them by their status of being my parents. Um, doesn't mean that like, well, okay, well, I because they're my parents, I still have to live under the same roof as them if they're abusive or whatever. But uh, I will still show honor in the way that I talk about them, right? I will mm -hmm. still show honor to them insofar as it doesn't put me in any danger or doesn't cause me to sin. So I, I do actually think that's a, an important uh, distinction there. Yeah, it yeah, where it goes back to that principle we don't have to like them necessarily. You know, it and that's how Jesus lays out uh, or the scriptures lay out love. It's always through action. It's not through how I feel mm -hmm. or how my disposition towards somebody. It's always based on the action that I give. Uh so I don't I can absolutely not like somebody. You know, they might be the most belligerent person in the world. But I can still be kind to you. Um, I can still do things that uh, show that I'm I'm not trying to seek ill will to you, even if I don't particularly like you. Demand only with regard to parents. There is no one else who the Bible commands us to honor. Yeah, this this is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't um, know where he got that from. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we both were talking before the podcast, and we both. Uh, got the same verse um to refute this so uh as, as i have the the screen up do you want to read that dan sure um it says you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man and you shall fear your god i am the lord so, so yeah. i mean this isn't just i mean this could definitely include your father right but or grandfather but it's just honoring you know, honoring age um and understanding and recognizing that these people are older than you that they've uh, been there and done that and that they've um you know they have the experience to speak for where they've been so there should be honor in that uh they're not to be treated as as fools because of their uh because of their age and our our society does not unfortunately does not value old uh, elderly life like in other places of the world um, where we tend to, you know, kind of put the old people in the nursing home and, and live our life. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for that. Maybe that's the best situation for certain people. Maybe they can't take care of them at home. It's just not feasible. Um, but I do think that the general attitude towards the, the elderly in our society is, is, uh, more of a burden and seeing mm -hmm. them as, is really something to be kind of put out of sight and and not really worry about and something as a more of a frustration rather than a true honoring of them.
Yeah, youth and uh, strength is idolized. Yes. So uh, rather than taking care of those who uh, took care of us or came before us, you know, and now might not be in the, the best position to take care of themselves, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to have to deal with that. That would be an imposition on me. I'm living my best life now. Right. You know, so um, and also the, the our society doesn't treasure wisdom, right? No. Um, mm -mm. If uh, so, if we don't treasure wisdom, if we treasure um, emotional uh, emotion, right, and let that and let that uh, govern our lives, our lives, um, why would we want to honor the uh, uh, our elderly who um, are wiser than us? You know what? If you if you've thrown out wisdom, uh, they're not bringing much to the table anymore. I guess. Right. <laughs> exactly. They're just a nuisance, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. 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 You, you go to, um, I, you might've been at, at covenant Sean, when we used to do the nursing home ministry. Did you, I never went, oh, we did okay. it for a little while while I was coming, but I don't believe I ever, uh, went. okay. Okay. We used to have a pretty regular one. Um, and you know, it was, it was sad. You know, I, I was pretty young at the time, but you could just see kind of, there is a lot of bitterness, I guess, in the elderly community. Um, and you could just see how kind of abandoned these people seemed, you know, because it's they're living on their own. They're, they just have the, the staff there to really take care of them. Families visit them, visit them, I guess. But they're really just kind of sitting there rotting away in a, in a room. Um, so it's and it would it would bring joy when we would when we would go and, and minister and have like a little church service for people there. But, um, it, it's just kind of, a it shows you how the, the wise and, and the gray heads are, are really considered in our society as a whole. They're, they're not really honored. They're just putting essentially these, uh, warehouses where they're, they're just left to just kind of live out their days by themselves. And so it's, it is really sad um, but yeah, that's very much contrary to what we see, uh, in scripture in terms of how, um, you know, people are to be treated, uh, it, for those who, who have come before us, who have taken care of us and, and maybe have a lot of wisdom to provide uh, for us today. We, our society does not like, like I said, they, we don't like to learn from the past We're we're just concerned about really where we are now. Uh, in the past, that's just that's traditional, that's archaic, you know, that's ancient. We it's not relevant anymore. What could they have possibly known? Yeah, what could they, they have, have the internet? Known? Yeah, we have the internet. They didn't. They 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 wouldn't have known anything better than us at all. I mean, good grief. No. Yeah, they also didn't have tons and tons of distractions. But oh, right <laughs> here nor there. So then, why is honoring parents so important? Why does the Ten Commandments believe that society could not survive if this commandment were widely violated? One reason is that we as children need it. Parents may want to be honored, and they should want to be, but children need to honor parents. A father and a mother who are not honored are essentially adult peers of their children. They are not parents. No generation knows better than ours the terrible consequences of growing up without a father. Fatherless boys are far more likely to grow up and commit violent crime, mistreat women, and act out against society in every other way. 
Girls who do not have a father to honor, and hopefully to love as well, are more likely to seek the wrong men and to be promiscuous at an early age. Second, honoring parents is how nearly all of us come to recognize that there is a moral authority above us to whom we are morally accountable. And without this, we cannot create or maintain a moral society. Of course, for the Ten Commandments, the ultimate moral authority is God, who is therefore higher than even our parents. But it is very difficult to come to honor God without having had a parent, especially a father, to honor. Um, so there's a, there is a lot of truth in this, uh, this section here. Um, I do think that honoring, uh, honoring God is implicit in the, uh, in the commandment here. Mm -hmm. Um, and this might get into our, our discussion of, uh, what is the extension of this commandment, right? Because this commandment rests on the bedrock of you should honor those that are in authority over you and honor those that have provided for you. And because you have that core there, I think that applies to other aspects of life, not just, um, not just to parents. Um, although I don't, I'm not quite sure what to make of his, uh, his, um, point here. It is very difficult to come to honor God without having had a parent, uh, to honor. Um, I don't know. Do you have any that, thoughts yeah, about I think that? That's a bit of a stretch. I mean, there's yeah. probably plenty of parentless kids who, who came to know the Lord in well, some way, shape or form or understand well, that authority structure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me put it this way. I would say that it's impossible to come to, uh, to, uh, come to honor God without having a, a parent, uh, to honor. Uh, but with God, all things are possible, right? Um, it's a matter of, uh, um, God regenerating the heart. So, um, I mean, in one sense, like maybe it does make it harder, but I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's not a, it's not a, a thing I ever, uh, would have uh, come to the conclusion about, I don't think. Right. <laughs> it's a very, it's another one of those odd things that Prager will say. And you're just kind of like, what? That, how does that play into the broader picture of what we're discussing here? Yeah. And um, I guess I will start to, to talk about the, the pragmatism here a little bit, because mm -hmm. it is still very focused on how it benefits the parents and the, uh, the, the children. There's not so much, um, the moral component of, well, they're worthy of it, right? They're worthy of it. So regardless of even if it were to benefit you or not, you should still do it. Right. Um, as their status of parent, you, uh, they're worthy of your honor. Um, yep. That's not really, uh, really brought up during this. Uh, regardless of whatever all. the consequences might be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all about just how it benefits or might hurt people. It's not about um, the morality of the situation completely. Obviously there is a hurting people is uh, a moral issue, but in terms of just the, the nature of it, um, it's not right. really discussed. Sigmund Freud, the father of psychiatry and an atheist, theorized that one's attitude towards one's father largely shaped one's attitude toward God. There's one more reason why. So I that's a, a I'm, I'm not necessarily inclined to listen to the Sigmund Freud right out of the bat. I'm <laughs> um, not not necessarily saying that, you know, he's um, wrong about everything, but I don't knowledge of god right comes 
it's independent Natural revelation yeah it's independent the witness of god in us is independent of our father and mother now that does shape our knowledge um yes but it is independent of that so i'm not i don't know like i i, I wouldn't want to put it nearly as strongly as uh, as that quote put it right that like oh how we think of our father think makes um uh shapes how we think of god there are plenty of atheists who i'm sure love their father at least in the an earthly sense right and hate god um so i don't know that i would want to make it as strong of a connection as uh freud does there it's yeah, way too simplistic how we, yeah we we understand that god exists and that we're to obey god apart from whether you have a father or not it's just in creation. I mean, the natural revel Romans one natural revelation tells us there's a God and that we're to, and that he's greater and that he demands worship, not just that mm -hmm. he exists. So there's already a moral component built in uh, that we see in creation. Um, and I guess maybe you could argue from, you know, the scriptures talk about eternity is in the hearts of men. Um, but I think that is just illuminated by what we see around us. We, we see the, the creation that God has made and it demands that we worship him um and and so there, there's already a moral authority or an authority structure that we see independent of father and but i do think that kind of a father figure on earth is somewhat of a reflection of what we see uh in terms of kind of that authority structure um that we see as god the father now i'm not talking mm -hmm. about uh you know this foolish teaching of uh subordination of the son as it relates to the father and there's some kind of you know it one-to-one -one comparison in marriage or in life as it relates to the trinity i'm not saying that but uh god is our father and there is a you know by with us being so by adoption um and there is an authority structure there by virtue of god just being who he is in being the creator and demanding worship um, mm -hmm. of his creatures so we're going to see that independence there regardless of who our father is or if we had one or not and that's um that's quite a, a charge that actually ends up being laid on fathers right in some yeah. way you are <laughs> representing god in your um in your actions right so that's uh that's a in some regards a fearful thing because we don't want to uh to misrepresent god or bring reproach upon god Mm -hmm. in how in how we live but um at the same time if we uh if we do it if we're doing that role um that would be worthy of respect and honor right which just goes right back to the uh to the commandment there and um uh the culture wouldn't necessarily recognize that uh right that oh um you know fathers are in some regard uh representing god and therefore worthy of an honor in that uh in their their doing of that but um, yeah, no, the, the culture wouldn't recognize it, even though it's true. And that's why we should obey uh, God's commands, even if we haven't thought through all the implications of it. Yet. Right. <laughs> Honoring parents is fundamental to a good society. Honoring parents is the best antidote to totalitarianism. One of the first things totalitarian movements seek to do is to break the child-parent bond. A child's allegiance is shifted from parents to the state. Even in democratic societies, the larger the state becomes, the more it usurps the parental role.
Finally, there are many ways. Uh, you can pause it there. The general rule is this. I think that there is some truth to that. I don't know if I'd say it's the antidote to a totalitarian society. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I get his point in that uh, you do see the state trying to usurp the parental role in, in some ways. I think the, the primary place you see this is in education. Um, while I'm personally not necessarily against um, public school as a principle, I do think that uh, you do tend to see in public schools this uh, push towards these children having some sort of independent mindset from their parents. We're going to make decisions for your kids, regardless of what the parents think. We're going to teach them what we want. We're going to uh, try to convince them that, um, you know, a certain ideology is correct, even if the parents don't necessarily agree with that for their particular kids. Um, so there, there is that tension there. I think in reality um, that you do see in uh, in the public school system where they try to indoctrinate your kids with whatever teaching uh, they have, whether good or bad. Um, and there's this rift between parents and and their kids. I think when that starts to happen, when there's a disconnect between what the state is trying to push on your kids um, versus what your parents want to uh, teach your kids. And uh, you know, that's sometimes where it's best to take your kids out of that system and teach them yourself uh, if you're able to do that, because you have a better uh, the best chance of teaching your kids what you want them to what you want them to learn. Um, and for Christian parents, primarily, that's biblical things. Um, and, you know, you're wanting them to understand these practical concepts from a biblical perspective, uh, not that we're trying to create some kind of uh, Christian subculture or monastic society where we disconnect from the culture completely. But, um, you know, there, there has to be caution involved in, in how our kids are being uh, influenced by the state. Cause that state will try to play the, the daddy role all, wherever it can. It tries to, we see this not just with our kids, but in adults too. We, we got to have a program for for every single aspect of our lives. kind of, We got to have something for medical. We got to have something for uh, taxes. We got to have something for retirement. We, we have to be involved in literally everything that somebody does. Um, so you, you, you do see, you know, if they're going to do that with adults, why are they not going to try and do that with our kids as well? Going back to the education thing, um, it's very clear that God has charged parents with the responsibility of educating their children, right? Um, uh, train up the, a child in the way he shall go, he shall not soon depart it. Um, and then there's there's other um, commandments there that the parents are supposed to uh, teach their children, right? Um, so when it comes to the, the public school system, um, at least in the modern context, you know, even be before we uh, talk about public school as a concept is that a, even appropriate uh we have to look at it as like well has the has the public school system usurped the role of the parent right because if the parent is the one charged with the uh the uh teaching of children right are they is this uh, authority that they've delegated that the parent has delegated to the school or has the uh, school usurped it right because even even for homeschool families they're they're using material that's often provided by other other people, right? Or they're watching um, videos online and that's a, a delegation of their authority. The parent has said, okay, well, I, I trust this resource or this person that um, 
they're going to be watching. So I'll let them teach my child. So delegation of authority in that regard. But when you have the public school system, which independently of the parent is coming up with what the uh, the child is supposed to learn, right? And often, uh, and oftentimes it's anti anti God and anti what the uh, the parent would want. That's a, a school system that has usurped the authority of the parent over their uh, child and, and how they shall be raised and what they shall be learned. So definitely, at the very least, in the in the the modern school uh, modern modern American public school system, I think it's uh, it's completely broken that uh, the relationship that God has charged over uh, with parents over their children. That's not to say that anybody who therefore has their uh, children in public school is in sin, um, just because um, that it might just be that if you're a single mom and you have no other means and, you know, the, the state will take your child away from you if uh, you don't um, if you don't have them schooled. And I completely understand uh, leaving your child in public school. It's just not the not the ideal, obviously. So I don't want to I don't want to put a law that people aren't able to um, uh, actually comply with that wasn't commanded by God. But yeah, absolutely. Um, parents are responsible for their uh, children's uh, raising and teaching. And that's another reason why that they should be honored, because they have that responsibility. I mean, you look at what happens. You, you hear about these school board meetings, right? And parents are losing it. Oh, why are you teaching? It? It, it, there's such a disconnect there between what, mm. what the parents can really do um, mm -hmm. and yeah. how they're going to and what is taught. Because at the end of the day, it's a school board that's going to determine what your kids are taught. These parents exactly. can get on that stage and scream and yell and jump up and down. But if they want trans kids in their in their in the bathrooms, they're going to put them in the bathrooms with or without you. That's just how it's going to work. Um, and, that's, so, and that's really where you have to you have to judge that. You know, how are you going to is it really best for my kid to be here or is it should I look at other options that might be better for them? Yeah, it, it gets into the mentality of it, right? Even people that recognize that like, oh, the, the school shouldn't be teaching this. They're not thinking about it from the perspective of, well, I'm the one that determines my my child's teaching, not not the school. It's just that, well, the school is doing the wrong thing. Right. You know, so let's let's change the school system. Uh, what they teach as opposed to sitting back and thinking about are they even operating with an authority that they should have now obviously there are there are plenty of parents that do recognize that that's uh that's not the right way but i've at least have picked up with some people that it's they're not even still thinking about it quite right and i think some of that just comes from well you have both parents working you know mm, oh yeah. the, both parents are chasing their careers you know the mom is a ceo and the dad is a vp and they can't you know, they're they're off doing their own thing and, and their focus is not really on their on their family um, or you even see. I, I've seen this, too, where um, you have someone who works in a public school, um, but they they spend so much time at, at with their work that they're not um, they're not at home a whole lot. And the irony is you're, you spend a lot of time raising someone else's kids, but you're not really there for your kids. You know, it's kind of. Yeah. It, it kind of becomes ironic at that point because your whole point of, of your job there is to is to somehow shape these kids. But your own family at home barely gets any time because you're spending so much time with someone else's kids that they should be really focusing mm -hmm. on and not you. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of it becomes kind of this weird irony at some point um, if taken too far.
Oh, uh, what did let's see what it does say? Us when I was a teacher, Latin for in the place. Oh, she said something before. Loco parentis was a term they used to tell uh, us when I was a teacher, Latin for in the place of the parent. Kind of freaked me out. That's a big responsibility. Yeah. So it's yeah. like they started to even implement that mindset. Like, oh yeah, we're now the parent. Look, these parents aren't here, so we got to fill the gap. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something that I. <laughs> Like I've thought it through this before, but I, I didn't bring up. Um, if the if the if the school is jumping in and usurping authority from the parent, God will judge them for doing that, right? Right. Like, okay. Well, it was the parent's responsibility. Um, you've taken that responsibility to yourself unjustly. Therefore, you will be judged in accordance with how I would judge the parent. And that's not something that you necessarily want, you know? Right. Um, I don't want to be uh, held responsible for um, somebody else's children if I've I've um, usurped authority irresponsibly, right? Um, uh, I want to, in some regards, uh, well, I don't know if I want to say that, but no, uh, it's a it's a scary thing, right? These uh, the people on these school boards aren't necessarily even thinking about those categories, but um, no, they will be judged. Uh, just like a parent would be judged uh, for how the children turn out because they took that took that authority, they took that responsibility upon themselves. So they'll get the they'll get the du double judgment of, well, you shouldn't have done that, and did you do it well? Right. Yeah. It's so I you know I can sympathize to some extent with Prager's um, assessment about totalitarianism, the the desire to. Um, kind of take your children away from the parent. You see this similar uh, in Nazi Germany when Hitler, yeah, the Hitler youth, right? That was a way of indoctrinating the children into, um, you know, the mind of his socialistic understandings, his his societal understandings, um, you know, probably independent of the parents, but it was a way to get kids indoctrinated into the government system. Um so you do see this kind of mindset there that Prager's talking about. Although I, I don't think he's right to say that it is the antidote, you know, having honoring our parents. But I, I do see some ways that we can apply what he's saying to real world situations. Uh, let's see. I think it was like a legal thing. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I just want to teach them. I don't want to be their parent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a big responsibility. Exactly. I don't want to have yeah. to shape them completely. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i don't want to be held responsible for um, i just want to teach them math i don't want to make the, yeah <laughs> i'm sure whenever i have kids i'll have uh, enough enough worry in regard to them <laughs> let alone yeah. other people's children <laughs> they get special treatment parents are unique so they must be treated in a unique way you don't talk to them in quite the same way you do anyone else. For example, you might use expletives when speaking to a friend, but you don't with a parent. So I don't, I didn't like this example at all, because obviously you shouldn't be using expletives with uh, your friends either. With anybody, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'll agree with his next point. Uh, you shouldn't call them by their first name, or there's some other things that you do that, distinguish them from any other relationship you have but um not that particular one no that's <laughs> not right don't call them by their first name and when you leave their home and make your own you maintain contact with them having no contact with parents is the opposite 
of honoring them. And yes, we all recognize that some parents have behaved so cruelly, and I mean cruelly, not annoyingly, that one finds it morally impossible to honor them. There are such cases, but they are rare. So uh, this is what I was referencing earlier, where uh, he says that they, um, the parents have behaved so terribly that uh, the person finds it morally reprehensible to honor them. And I don't think that's correct. It's not saying that you have to like them. It's not saying that you have to um, uh, live in the same house with them, right? It's mm-hmm. not saying you have to subject yourself to abuse, but you are commanded to honor them. The, the, the commandment makes no exception, and neither do we see it anywhere else in the law or in the New Testament that there's some sort of exception made. Oh, well, if your parents are really bad, then you don't have to honor them. No, you will still honor them. Um, the honoring might look a little bit different in these cases, but it's not—it's not a true exception like he's—he's he's treating it here. And remember this: if your children see you honor your parents, no matter how difficult it may sometimes be, the chances are far greater that they will honor you. I'm Dennis Prager. Join Prager University. Subscribe. All right. Yeah, that, I think that last point is very is very true. Just you know, definitely more pragmatic, but I mm-hmm. think still applicable. If you do, if you treat your kids cruelly, obviously they're probably not going to like you very much later on, um, just because they they're just going to have terrible thoughts about you. If you're you're just cruel to them. You know, they're probably going to be cruel to you and you've already shaped their mindset of what a parent looks like. And they might take that out on their own kids. You know, hey, my parents treated me this way. And this is how I view, um, you know, this is how I view parents and what parenting looks like. So I'm going to take that out on my kids because that's what I was raised on. I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it could create this spiral in the other direction, too, of, you know, a further offspring down the road. And then their kid, they take it on to theirs, et cetera. So, you know, how we treat our kids, I, I think, definitely has an impact upon them later and how we will be treated as well uh, once, uh, you know, we're at that ripe old age. And it, I think it goes back to the principle of what Jesus said, you do unto others as you would have them do to you. If you don't want to be treated this way, then, um, you know, we honor our, our parents. We wouldn't want to be dishonored uh, as an individual. So we should honor our parents um, and, and love them and care for them. Uh, regardless of of how they treat us. Yeah. um, Children do learn by example, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I I picked up things that my mother and father did long before I realized that other people did it differently, you know, Um, just learn by example. So if you have the example of honoring your parents, um, even without thinking the child is going to start behaving in that way, right? Or when they grow up, they'll, they'll do the same things because they saw you do it. Um, but again, going back to the pragmatism is the reason that you're doing, uh, honoring your parents just so you will get honor, um, from your children. Is that the reason why you're doing it? Or is it because they're, they're worthy of that honor, right? right? Um, because independently of whether or not your children ever honor you, you should honor your parents. Yes. Um, you shouldn't be doing it for selfish reasons. <laughs> um, in fact, right. uh, to, to do it for selfish reasons is to not, 
it's it's not a good act at that point, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just honoring my parents to get something out of my children. That's not that's not good, right? In right. fact, it's not it's not truly honoring your parents. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, that's that's um, that underlies all of God's law, right? You can attempt to do the external things of God's law, but if you're not doing it for the right reasons, it doesn't give you any standing before God, you know. Um, if you uphold the, the law because of solely pragmatic reasons that I will benefit from this, you're not doing it for love of God and love of neighbor. You're doing it for yourself. Yep. Um, but for any, any that do realize that they've lived that way, that they've only been living for themselves, keeping the commandments, not out of love of God, but um, just for their own selfish desires and that, that grieves them. Um, then uh, there is always hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, who uh, bore the sins of many that uh, they would be saved, right? And by believing in him, you will have his uh, righteousness. So for any that have tried to keep the law, but uh, don't keep it, at least don't keep it rightly, um, flee to Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You'll have the righteousness necessary to enter into the presence of the Father. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's all we have today. Um, thanks for joining us. Hopefully it's been beneficial. And Lord willing, we will be back uh, next week. Thanks for joining.